Well, as you know, we've been slugging away in Galatians <laughs> for a couple of months. Um, last week, we said you can break up Galatians into three parts. And last week, we wrapped up the second part. And so we're just going to take a break for a week um, before we get into the next bit. We're going to talk about something other than the law and grace and Jews and Gentiles. Because... Uh, your eyes were starting to cross on me. So we're going to talk about um, prayer tonight, um, specifically, as you can read, I think. Why should we pray? Um, other than the fact that the Bible tells us to, uh, we'll give you a seven reasons or purposes for prayer. Uh, but prayer is it's a necessity. necessity. It's not... Um, an option. If we want to live for God, we definitely need to be talking to Him and allowing Him to talk to us, or else how is He going to be leading us and working in our lives? So if we want to be healthy spiritually, then we should pray. And prayer is a unique thing. It's a privilege, and it's also a duty or a responsibility. It's something that we get to do, and it's something that we should do. And so um, the plan, I guess, tonight is to help understand why we should and if we know why we should, then maybe we will be more likely to do it. Hopefully. So, like I said, prayer is both a blessing and a necessity. It's something that we get to do, and it's also something that we need to do. It's not really like anything else. And so, uh, seven reasons. We'll just jump right into it. It's not the only reasons why we should pray. It's just the seven we're going to focus on tonight, because if we did 101 reasons, we'd be here for a while. This is the first reason, is so we don't faint. I just jumped in. That was a little slow. That was the shortest introduction I ever had. It's like two minutes. Just right into it. So we don't faint. So Luke chapter 18, um, verse 1, it says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So Jesus, in Luke chapter 18, he teaches his disciples about prayer, and he gives them a couple of parables. It talks about the unjust judge and the widow who um, persistently asked um, for the judge to do something on behalf of her son. And the two men praying in the temple, if you know that story, but the Pharisee and the publican, and one guy is weeping, oh, I'm a sinner. And the other guy is like, oh, thank God I'm not like this guy over here. And it talks about prayer in, in these instances. And he gives them lessons to teach them um, that we ought to pray, that we must pray. Uh, we should pray. And he says the reason why he did this is so like, men ought always to pray and not to faint. To make sure that we don't faint. Physical fainting is a loss of consciousness because there's not enough blood flowing to the brain. Well, some people, I'm not sure how they're... <laughs> Anyways, obviously, he's not talking about that sort of fainting. Um, people don't just pass out because they don't pray every day, although if that did happen, then maybe we'd be more likely to do it, but he's talking about spiritual fainting clearly, so what does that mean, uh, what does it mean to faint spiritually, how do you know if you're fainting spiritually, can you be spiritually unconscious, are you spiritually unconscious, am I spiritually unconscious, there are three words in the Bible or the New Testament that have been translated to the word faint, 
There's akakio, which is to be weak, to fail in heart, to be weary. There's a akleo, which means to relax. There's kamno, which means to toil, to tire, to sicken, or to be weary. They all kind of mean the same thing, to get tired and worn out and weak and just kind of give up. So one of the main reasons... Oh, I had them up here and I didn't put them. There you go. You can read those yourself. One of the main reasons why people faint or become weak is... Um, they don't take care of themselves. Or, you know, sometimes there's underlying issues that we don't know about. But the reason generally is because there's something that's not happening that needs to happen. I worked with a girl. I used to pass out all the time and I never figured out. I don't know if they figured out what was wrong with her because we couldn't let her work because it wasn't safe. But I remember she used to pass out and I, someone came to me. I was running the floor and they're like, oh no, there's someone passed out in the parking lot. And I was like, oh my goodness, i got to call them when I get out there. And it was her, and I was like, oh, thank God, it's just Courtney. <laughs> I know what to do here. <laughs> and she got up, and she was fine after a while. But um, generally, it means that there's something, something wrong, something that's not going on, you know, that should be, or, or whatever. And so um, we can faint if we're not... Um, careful if we're not strict enough in our, our prayer and if we don't take it seriously we will faint just like in the physical if you don't eat right or you don't eat at all uh, you don't move around or exercise or take care of ourselves we will get sick and weary and tired and worn out and eventually if we keep doing it long enough you're going to pass out um, if we continue that way physically you're not going to live much long longer and spiritually, if we remain in a constant state of weariness, this seems to be a theme, and I don't know why, but if we remain in a state of constant weariness or fainting, we're going to end up dying spiritually, and uh, we will be lost. And so weariness, it's not an uncommon thing in our lives, our churches, today, both among ministry and saints and whatever. But we get worn out by life. Um, by society, by temptations, trials, pressure, financial pressure, um, issues in the house, raising children, problems, job, stuff. Um, and then there's good old-fashioned satanic oppression. On top of all that, and so along with all other things, kind of other things I didn't mention, um, it's enough to make even the strongest person get worn out sometimes. Um, the, Bible, the Bible says that we can get weary by doing the right thing. Galatians 6 and 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This verse has popped up a lot in the last few weeks. I'm telling you, this is no purpose. It just keeps coming back. Well, you can get tired doing the right thing. You can get tired in well-doing. You don't really get tired doing the wrong thing. But if we aren't careful if we aren't uh, if we don't keep praying we can be in danger of growing weary and fainting that's uh, you know there's a reason why jesus said and there's another verse that's popped up lately come unto me all you labor that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest rest is the opposite of weariness and it's found in jesus and how do we come to him and prayer do we not prayer is so it's one of the most uh, rejuvenating, reviving, restful experiences that uh, a saint can in engage in. Um, 
Maybe it's not so much for the body because prayer is work sometimes. You know, we get tired. Sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes we got to make ourselves do it. But for the mind, for the soul, the spirit, and the heart of a person, there's not much more rejuvenating, reviving, and restful than prayer. And I find myself, when I'm just plumb worn out, spending a little time in prayer really kind of picks you back up again. Amen. You might still be tired. Your body still might be tired. You might need to go to bed a little bit early, but your, your mind, your spirit's um, a lot better after you spend some time in prayer. The prayer is a necessity if we are to prevent ourselves from fainting spiritually. Some verses on fainting in the church in Ephesus, um, Jesus said in Revelation 2 and 3, and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. This was something that as Jesus was um, dictating a letter to John to write to the church in Ephesus, he was praising the church in Ephesus for the fact that they didn't faint because they kept on working, they kept on going, and they didn't quit. They, they continued to do it. And there's, there's something about people that just keep going. There's so many things that tempt us to quit or um, throw in the towel or whatever, but prayer helps us really combat that or fight against that. Hebrews chapter 12 and 3. I've got a lot of verses tonight. They're all on there, I think. Um, it says, For consider him, talk about Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. So fainting is something that happens in our, our mind. It's something that we constantly face in our mind. There's so many things that weigh on us. We've already said, and we can talk ourselves mentally out of the will of God sometimes. We can get worn out in our mind and say, you know, what's the point? Why even bother? You know, we're just not doing anything. Let's just do something else or whatever. The writer of Hebrews, he's speaking about Jesus. And he says, if you keep your attention on him, because if you don't, you're going to get weary and you're going to faint. And so we pray. The first reason we pray is so we don't faint. We pray for strength. We pray because it's good for us. Without prayer, we'll dry up and die. Um, this isn't in my notes, but in the book of Acts, when they, the church first became persecuted, what did they pray? They prayed for strength, that they would endure, and they would continue to preach the gospel. They prayed for boldness. They didn't pray for everything to go away. They prayed that they would make it through. And all through the epistles, you see this theme of enduring to the end and running a race and making it. And that's we got to pray if we're going to do that. Because if not, we're going to get worn out and we're going to faint. We're going to end up uh, hooked up to IV somewhere spiritually. I don't know. In a spiritual coma. I don't know how it's going to work. But we need, let's avoid that by praying and not fainting. The second reason is to overcome Satan. Uh, there's a story in the book of Daniel, chapter 10. We're not going to go through it. But Daniel prays in... An angel was dispatched right away to answer that prayer. Um, but the angel says he was held up by the prince of Persia, which was believed to be another um, fallen angel. And so the angel, the answer to Daniel's prayer, and that story was delayed by the enemy or by a, a fallen angel who was working for um, Satan. And so the enemy, he not only attacks us, but if you look at that story, he also attacks our prayers. And he does whatever he can to mess things up whatever way that he can. Um, the Satan, the devil, the enemy, whatever you want to call him, 
He is against your soul. And we are in a constant war and we're in a constant battle against that. And we fight that battle in prayer. It's a spiritual battle, so we have to fight it in the spirit. Our prayers bring victory over the enemy. Jesus, in the Lord's prayer, he said what? Matthew 6 and 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is something we're supposed to pray. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Satan tempts us. He tempted Jesus a few times, but you know it didn't work. But one of the things we're supposed to pray about is to not be led into temptation and to be delivered from evil. Both are things that the enemy works hard at. So another reason why we pray is to overcome Satan, overcome the enemy, um, for protection from his ways, his devices, the Bible says, his attempts to destroy us or to bring us down, and we pray against that. And we not only um, pray against his influence in our lives, but we can pray against it in others too. Luke 22 says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But, Jesus said, this is how Jesus fought against it. He said, I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So Jesus, as an example for us, he prays for Peter that he would be protected against the enemy. And this was, you know, after, in verse 3 of that chapter, it says, Satan has entered into entered into Judas, and he was also looking to take out Peter. And so we know that the prayer worked because who preached the, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? It was a guy named Peter who encouraged and strengthened the saints. I think his name was Peter. Um, and who brought the message of Jesus to the Gentiles? Some guy, I think it was Peter, wasn't it? And so by following the example of Jesus, that we need to pray for ourselves. He said, you know, pray. And the Lord's prayer tells us to pray for ourselves. But we also need to pray for others in this example. That the enemy wouldn't get a hold in their lives. And we need to, we need to remember when we pray these things that people are going to make their own decisions anyway. We can pray against the enemy, but they're going to make their own choices. Judas gave in to Satan. He could have been forgiven and restored, but he fainted, for lack of a better word, yes. if you will. He gave up, and Peter failed as well, but he gets back up, and he keeps going. And so we can pray for people, and we should. The Bible tells us to. Jesus did as an example. We should pray for people when it comes down to it. The decision to live for God or give it to the enemy is going to be up to them. I don't want to see anyone blindsided or tricked, so we pray for them. So we pray to overcome Satan and his work. And you can try to fight him on your own if you want, without prayer. Um, good luck. But the best way to do it is through prayer. Prayer makes um, a difference. So we pray for that. And then we pray to see people saved. This one should be obvious. Jesus didn't give a lot of prayer requests during his earthly ministry. But one of the things he told us to pray about, he said in Matthew 9 and 38, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 to 2, Paul said, Finally, brothers, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have 
faith. So we have two examples here. We got to pray for people um, to, to be called to work and to pray for ones that are. And this is all about seeing people, people saved. Paul said, pray for us that the, that the word can go forth. And Jesus said, pray that laborers would go, or the, the Lord of the harvest is in labor. So pray that others receive the word of God as easily as you did, or in some cases, maybe even as easier than you did. So let's fought it for a bit. But pray that God's word will get into the hearts of others. Pray that when we preach and teach, that people receive it and are changed as well. Incredible things can happen through our prayers, especially when we're praying for the lost. It was in prayer that Peter had a vision about Cornelius that convinced Peter to go. We've talked about him in Galatians. This was something that Peter struggled with. Even afterwards, he still struggled with it. If it wasn't for him praying, if it wasn't for God showing up while he was praying and giving him that vision, he probably wouldn't have went with Cornelius' men. Took three times. Three, <laughs> the vision three times before he got it. And even then he still didn't quite get it. But he went. There are people like Cornelius who are praying for truth and revelation and they need someone to go to them. It takes people praying to recognize that and see it. How's God going to call you and tell you to go if you're not talking to Him? There are hungry people. There is a harvest. Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. God can lead us to the right people. And He can lead us to hungry families like Cornelius. And He can put us in positions to reach people like um, Paul and Silas with the Philippian jailer. And so one of the reasons we pray is to see people saved. If we don't pray, God's not going to lead us to people who need to be saved or who are hungry or looking for something. If we don't pray, He's not going to use us to reach our world. If we don't pray, laborers won't be sent. If no one prays, no one will be saved. The songwriter said, it's hard to answer prayers when no one's praying to you. That's how it works. Intercessory prayer is very important. Praying for others is important. It was a prayer again that Peter was led to Cornelius. It was a prayer that Cornelius knew to send for Peter in Acts chapter 10. It was a prayer that Ananias knew to go to Saul, risk his life. This man was on his way to kill them. If God hadn't talked to Ananias, there's no way he would have just knocked, oh yeah, I'm going to go find this guy and I'm going to witness to him. That was a death sentence. It was through prayer. And it was, it was Saul in prayer that knew to receive him. In Acts chapter 9, Jesus told him, this guy's going to come and you've got to listen to what he says. And both of these stories are incredible and they have a huge impact on the church and even us today. Cornelius was the first Gentile to be saved and Paul would, um, would end up being a missionary to the Gentiles. And I think most of us aren't Jewish here. Today And so we're here because of these two stories. That people listened and people prayed. And people responded when God called them. We pray for the lost. All that starts in prayer. Great revivals are started in prayer. Before a missionary ever goes to a place, they've prayed. Before a church has even started, it started in prayer. Every revival ever has started in a prayer meeting. Think about the one in Kentucky earlier this year, I believe it was. I can't remember how time goes anymore. In Ashbury. 
Um, that started in prayer. On campus, kids praying. Everything has to begin in prayer. That's why we have focused prayer every month. It's more than prayer is more than just listening to someone else pray. We all have to pray. And so we pray for people to be saved. We pray as individuals, we pray as a church. Together that people would be saved and set free from the sin. I'm here because someone prayed. You're here because someone prayed. So we've got to pray for them to be here. I told you about me being a rebellious fool and my mother praying and praying and praying and fasting and praying. If it wasn't for my stubborn mother, I probably wouldn't be here. She's passed that on to me and my... Stubbornness runs on both sides of the family. But we're here because somebody prayed. So pray for the see people saved. Um, we need to pray to keep the right spirit or maintain the right spirit. Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. And this one's going to be everyone's favorite one, I think. It says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this is like what everyone likes to hear. And uh, as soon as we say it, we start making excuses. Well, you don't know. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. And it's true, I don't. But it's not something that we preach often because to be honest it's a bit uncomfortable and it hurts our feelings a bit and we don't like to think about it but after we're saved after Jesus has forgiven us of all our sins after we're living for him when we fail or fall or mess up or whatever however you want to word it our forgiveness is directly tied to our ability and willingness to forgive others Jesus told a parable about a guy who had a huge debt and uh, his lord or master forgave him and he was so excited that he went home and demanded that another guy who owed him very little pay him back. That's how he took that. He was so happy that he was forgiven that he decided he was going to go after another guy for very little compared to what he owed. When the guy couldn't pay it, he had him thrown in jail. When the master heard about it, he was so upset that the other guy would do that that he had him thrown in prison so he could pay off the original debt. He unforgave the debt. That's not what we want. Have our debt unforgiven. And Jesus said that God would do that to us if we don't forgive others. And that's a bit of a heavy thing. At first glance, you know, we can brush it off and say we don't do that. But I think you're lying to yourself. Because we all struggle with holding grudges. Sometimes it takes years to let some things go. It's part of being human. It's a fleshly response to hurt. That's why Jesus tells us not to do it. He doesn't tell us to do the things that are easy. He tells us not to do it. He says that if we had been forgiven of such a huge debt or sin, then surely we can forgive others of a small debt or offense toward us. But, especially nowadays, we like to hold people to things they've done in the past. We like to hold things over the heads of others. We like to get offended. Everybody likes to get offended over everything. Things that don't even apply to them. People like to get offended on behalf of others. It's incredible. Like every day you're finding something to get offended over. 
Um, we like to get offended and we get indignant about it. My favorite are the people <laughs> who claim to not hold grudges, but they won't talk to certain people because they've done something to them. Or they like to bring up things they've done. I should have known all the things that you guys have done to each other 40 years ago. You should have gone to tell me about it. Because it should have been forgotten and forgiven. I'll just leave that there. If it was, you wouldn't be talking about it still. We'll claim that... <laughs> oh, boys. I didn't, I didn't have that written down. That was the Holy Ghost. We'll claim we don't hold grudges, and we'll do that. And that, I'm sorry to break your heart, that is a grudge. A grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from a past insult or injury. And if we are holding people responsible for something they've done instead of forgiving them, I am, I'm not trying to make light of things. I know there's horrible things that people have done to each other. I know that. But we need to let it go. We need to forgive them. If Jesus has forgiven you for all the stupid things you've done, well, I never did anything like that. You just forgot about it. And you can forgive someone else. And maybe, maybe you didn't go as far as some others, but there's lots of things that we've been forgiven of. And this is a hard thing, and that's why we need to pray about it. This is one of the reasons we pray, because it's hard. It's not easy to let go of things. I have a hard time letting go of things. No, you don't believe this. Okay, maybe you do. But I rehash things in my mind for years. Things people have said and they already forgot about moments after. I replay it over in my head. What do they mean by that? Over and over and over. They didn't probably mean anything or maybe they didn't and I don't know. And I just keep playing it. And um, I go over every interaction I've ever had with people until I analyze the thing to death. And so I need to pray about it and let Jesus work through me so that I can let some things go. Maybe you're better at it than I am. I don't know. But one of the reasons we need to pray is so that we keep the right spirit. And the more we pray, the more we're in connection or communion with Jesus, the more he can work in us. And the easier it is for him to work in us, um, it's easier for him to work in us the more we pray and the more he works the more he has his way and his way is forgiveness if someone repents our job is to forgive them take heed to yourselves Luke 17 3-4 if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke him tell him if he did something to you you can let him know that's fine and if he repents we like the first part we'll rebuke him but if he repents Jesus says, forgive him. That's right. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Seven times. you got to be married to someone for that to happen. I would have stick around you seven times if you're going to offend me that much. I would have went home. Matthew 5, 23-24 Therefore thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So even, he says you need to forgive if, if they ask. 
And they come to you and say, it can be seven times in a day, they come to you and say, oh, forgive me. I did it again. You're like, yeah, I know. Okay. And you can forgive them. But then he says in Matthew 5 that even if they haven't asked, if you remember that they have something against you, you need to go. And you need to make sure it's right. You should still forgive even if they haven't asked. Some people are never going to ask. And all you're doing by holding on to that is poisoning yourself. So even if they haven't asked, we should still forgive. Think of the example Jesus said and Stephen um, said when they're both being killed by people. They both said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They prayed for them even at the end. And it's one thing for Jesus to do it, but another, Stephen, he was a man just like us. And he could do it. We pray to repent. We pray to keep our spirit right. We pray for forgiveness and we pray to forgive others. It's included in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 and 12, and forgive us our debts. And we like that first part again. God, forgive me. As we forgive our debtors, there's more than one. I never noticed that until today. <laughs> debtors. There's going to be more than one of you that have heard me. That I need to forgive. It's not just one person. There's going to be many. Prayer keeps this type of spirit alive in a saint. And through prayer... We are empowered to repent and forgive. It's awfully hard to let certain things go without prayer. I told you a few weeks ago, I think, about the missionary, uh, her, his wife, who was just treated horribly. Do you remember the story? Treated horribly by the, the local guy. And they just, and she's just, came to her husband one day and said, I hate that man, I hate him. And she prayed, and God said, I want you to pray for him an hour a day. And she did, I think it was a year or so before it started to be released. And then later on, that guy came back and he apologized. He was near the end of his death, or near the end of his life, and he's one, I want to have my Bible. And she said, can you say, he said, can you, can you ever forgive me for how I treated you? And she said, I already did that long ago. Don't worry about it. And, but it was through prayer. It's only through prayer. There's, there's things that people do. There's things that people say that there's no way we'd be able to let it go if it wasn't through prayer. Right. And even in prayer, sometimes it's a progress or a process. We are to forgive everything we have against others. Mark 11, 24 to 26. And only through the power of prayer can this essential thing be done in, in our lives. So that one was probably the hardest one. We pray to be spiritually minded. Romans, this is okay so far. All right. Okay, hopefully. All right. Romans 8, 4 to 9, it says, That the righteousness of the law, oh, the law's back, creeped in, might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are of the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. Well, that was a lot of stuff. 
It's talking about the difference between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. And as believers and followers of Jesus, one of the things the Bible tells us too, and Romans um, tells us too, in Romans 8, um, is that we're supposed to walk after the spirit. We're supposed to follow Jesus, and we're supposed to be spiritually minded. And if we don't, then we're not any of his. If we walk after carnal things or fleshly or non-spiritual things, we're going to faint. We will die spiritually. And so we're supposed to walk after spiritual things. And how do we do that? It's by prayer. One of the greatest battles we will ever face is in our minds. The thoughts and imaginations and temptations and all those things, they take place in our mind. You sit here before you sit in your hands. You sit in your mind before you sit anywhere else. It's easy to follow after fleshly things or non-spiritual things because they can be touched and felt and seen and hurt. They're out here. So in order to follow after spiritual things, to be spiritually minded, we need, we need to pray. We naturally live in this world. And I can, you can go days without thinking about God or praying or thinking about You just keep living and just do whatever. It's easy to do that. And it's something we need to do in our minds. I don't even know if this is making sense, but... I don't know if you've ever... Um, if you're never in contact with Jesus with the, the Holy Ghost. If you're never praying, if you're never communing with Him, if you're never talking to Him, if you're never letting Him talk to you, how on earth are you going to walk after the Spirit? I don't know if you ever thought something quickly, or thought of you know, something in your head, and then quickly go, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that. Just me and Brenda. Oh, well, okay. Two or three. We do, it's easy to do. And so we pray to keep our, our focus on the right things, to keep our mind on the right things. Because without it, it's gonna, it's gonna go where it doesn't need to go. Um, and so prayer is one of the key weapons of pulling down the strongholds of imagination. The Bible says every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and the thoughts uh, that are not in obedience to Christ. So first, blah, 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 Second Corinthians, that's it. 10, three to six says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical, but mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imagination, that's in your mind, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. In verse 6, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so we pray to have the right mind. We pray um, to have our focus on the right things, to, to meditate, the Bible tells us, or to think about the right things, the proper things. And when we don't pray, you'll find that you, the wrong things will occupy your mind. And the, old, the wrong things will take control. So we pray to think on the right things, to be spiritually minded. And if we don't, well, just try it. Well, don't do it. <laughs> just try it for a couple days, you'll see. Surely you've experienced that once in your life, maybe before you came to church or came to God. But we pray to have the right mind um, so we don't think about the wrong things. Carnality or um, 
is a, is a result of prayerlessness. Spirituality is a result of prayerfulness. So prayer can um, bridge the gap between physical and, and spiritual. So we, we should pray to make sure we have the right mind. Does that, that one make sense? I hope. I feel like I messed that one up. We pray to overcome flesh. This is kind of going along with the last point. We pray to be spiritually minded. That means when we're spiritually minded, we are overcoming the flesh. Flesh is not just skin, bone, and body, but our old man or the body of sin or our sinful nature. Romans 6 and 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So Paul says the works of the flesh, um, things we do in the, the flesh, the sinful things, um, I'm going to use the English standard because these are words that we know. Galatians chapter 5. Look at Galatians. How we get away from it? You wait till we get to this one. This will be good. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, um, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We don't have time to go through all those individually tonight, but don't you worry, we will when we continue Galatians. But if something you're doing is connected to one of those things, then you're walking in the flesh. That is the works of the flesh. You're not walking after the Spirit. So how do you overcome those things? By prayer. How do we stop doing those things? By prayer, through prayer. And although uh, we've been delivered, the temptation to do some of those things is still there. But just before that list, Paul says, uh, verse 16 and 17, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you want to avoid this list that he's going to list, you need to walk in the Spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For, those are, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So prayer helps us conquer um, these desires, and it connects us to Jesus. We want victory over those things, then we need to go to the victor, and we go to him in prayer. <laughs> so when we pray, uh, if we've been filled with the Holy Ghost, we activate the Spirit in our lives, and that's how we're going to overcome these things. And so we pray to overcome the flesh. And the last thing, we pray to face God. Luke 2 and 36, or sorry, 21 and 36 says, Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that should come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. So the last reason we pray is so we can make it. It goes to the first one. If we don't pray, we will faint. And if we faint long enough spiritually, we will die spiritually. And if we die spiritually, we're not going to make it to heaven. And so we pray so we can endure all the stuff that we face, all the temptations, the trials, the tribulations, and those are just the letter T's of life. So we escape these things, so we make it through, that's why we pray. Whether it's by strength to endure, whether it's deliverance, uh, or whether it's just Jesus leading us through it. However we're going to get through it, we need to pray. So we pray to make it because if we don't, we won't. I know. Minds are blown. And so praying, the six reasons before they do this, they all do this. Um, if we faint, we won't make it. If we don't overcome Satan, we definitely won't make it. 
If we aren't saved, we won't make it. If we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. And so we won't make it. If we aren't spiritually minded, we won't make it. If we don't overcome the flesh, we definitely won't make it. And so we pray to make it, to face God, to make it to heaven. We pray to endure. We pray for strength. We pray to one day, the Bible says, stand before God alone and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. Living, working, even dying for the Lord are important um, factors in God's plan of salvation. And supporting all these things that we're doing um, and providing power to all of this is prayer. You can't minister effectively without praying. It's not going to work. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be frustrated and fed up. Even sometimes when you pray, you can still be like that. But it'll help you. It'll help you more. Prayer is a, it's a power to do these things that God's calling us to do. Prayer is our responsibility to do, and it's an honor to be able to come before the, the throne of grace boldly, to be able to communicate with God Almighty, the creator of the world, the savior of our souls. That's an honor. We should take advantage of it. Being able to use the name of Jesus in prayer gives us, um, affords us the rewards of all the things that we've talked about in this lesson plus many, many other things. So we need to actively pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. We need to continually pray. Learn how to pray. And be sensitive and know when to pray. We can build ourselves up in the faith through the power of prayer. Jude 1, the only chapter in Jude, verse 20. It says, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, doing what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. We pray in the Holy Ghost. We build ourselves up so that we can go through whatever it is. I don't know how people do it without, without God. It's a very confusing thought that I have sometimes. I don't know how people make it through any of the things that people go through with their God. So we pray because we can, and we pray because we should. Does that make sense? Seven reasons. Let's just get you started. Maybe next week we'll do 97 more reasons. I don't know. Seven reasons why we should pray. And so it would be absolutely foolish to end this without praying. So let's pray together uh, one more time tonight. Let's pray.